Welcome back to Turf Show Times, the podcast. I'm Kenneth Arthur with me, JB Scott, and the Rams are, you know, entering training camp time here in the next week uh, with all teams reporting by July 26th. So we're looking at next Tuesday. Training camp is in full swing for the NFL. Rookies are attending certain training camps right now and starting throughout the rest of the week. And the Rams know who they will have going into training camp, but they also know one player who they won't have for the first six games of the season. That's going to be 2021 fourth round pick Bobby Brown, a defensive tackle expected, hoped to take that next step this season and to step up in the absence of Sebastian Joseph Day, who left in free agency to sign with the LA Chargers. And while the Rams do have perhaps the best defensive line in football, if not at least the best 3-4 defensive line in football with Aaron Donald, Sean Robinson, and Greg Gaines, the depth there could look either way. It could go uh, positive or negative, and certainly trending more to the negative now knowing that Bobby Brown suspended for six games by violating the or, you know, being uh, told here that he violated the uh, NFL's policy on substance uh, performance and having substances. So we don't know also if Bobby Brown is going to be a good NFL player or not. We know that he is a great athlete, which, you know, does kind of go uh, unavoidably hand in hand with uh, this six game suspension for PEDs. So impossible to sort of get around that right now. We know that Bobby Brown didn't contribute a whole lot to the Rams last year. So knowing that the Rams were a Super Bowl champion pretty much without Bobby Brown to expect Bobby Brown to play a huge vital role this season was maybe the same expectation as, as thinking that Bryson Hopkins was going to contribute to the Rams last year, a fourth round pick in his second year. And we didn't see anything from Bryson Hopkins until the Super Bowl. So, you know, we never really know. And uh, we'll see what happens moving forward with Bobby Brown. But JB, knowing that Bobby Brown has been suspended, uh, what kind of fallout would you expect this to have on the Rams over those first six games as well as training camp and assessing who else will be providing depth behind those three starters on the defensive line. Well, being in the depths of the off season, we're a week and a half away from training camp. Pretty much any news that breaks is bad news for your team. So that's just the part of the off season we're in suspensions and stuff like that. It's a long off season. You get yourself in some trouble and that's what Bobby Brown seems to have done. So yeah. And like you said, the Rams have a great defensive line, but they're also really great at developing players maybe a year before they need them. And he's the latest example of that. Maybe he was in line for a bigger role, kind of considered a rising star in that defensive line. This uh, this suspension doesn't necessarily rule that out, but it could only be an issue maybe if something happens to Greg Gaines or Sean Robinson during the first six games of the season because the Rams are between the three of them. The Rams have a stout defensive line and they're going to be a force we reckon with. Um, so it's good to have Bobby Brown back for the second half of the season, maybe as the wear and tear takes its toll in a 17-game year. But um, he's going to be back It is maybe just a speed bump in the road, not a complete hindrance to his career. Yeah, and, you know, when we're talking about fourth-round picks versus, let's say, undrafted free agents, what is, like, the actual difference in talent, value, expectations at that point? You know, fourth round is right in that sweet spot 
maybe fittingly so of the draft because it's in the middle of the draft where there are these expectations. You were almost a day two pick, but then there's also this other gray area, which says there's probably a good number of undrafted free agents every year that reasonably could have gone in the fourth round. And the Rams have two guys that went undrafted in 2020 that they signed Michael Hoyt, Jonah Williams. And we saw those guys make the roster at points last year. And so they've got a year more of experience than Bobby Brown. They were undrafted, but is their draft value really that dramatically different than Brown at this point? You know, um, where do you have any thoughts on Jonah Williams, Michael Hoyt, and maybe the competition guys, Marquise Copeland guys, Ernest Brown and Elijah Garcia that others will be looking towards. Yeah. Between Hoyt, Williams and then Marquise Copeland's actually been around for three years. So they have a lot of experience in the Rams system, a lot of familiarity. So that works in their favor. Maybe in some ways it makes up for a lack of talent that you think of with these undrafted free agents. You know, there's a reason why they went undrafted, but you can get them in the building, shape their bodies and get them as part and as part of your system and develop those guys behind the scenes. And maybe they're only playing 10% of the defensive snaps over the course of the season. You know, Copeland, not exactly the biggest name recognition, but he picked off Kyler Murray in that wild card game uh, on Monday night and underneath the primetime lights. So he has productions on the biggest stages. The Rams trusted him even to get defensive snaps in the Super Bowl. So it's clear they trust him in those high leverage situations, um, but not unheralded players, of course. But and then you also have Ernest Brown, the fourth, who is drafted the round after Bobby Brown. Didn't play much. He spent the year on the preseason, but not really sure what position he plays between edge rusher or interior defensive line, but just like Bobby Brown, if you're optimistic about Bobby Brown, you should be optimistic about Ernest Brown, probably um, just because it works both ways. You know, JB, how do you feel about these draft classes from say 2019 to 2021? There's, you know, been some serviceable players, some good players. Uh, but overall, do you feel like the Rams knowing also that they don't pick in the first round and we're just kind of assessing what's an adequate value for second round picks like Van Jefferson and Cam Akers and Tutu Atwell. What's an adequate value for the third round picks like Terrell Burgess. Uh, and now we've got Logan Bruss, but we'll give him some more time, but Ernest Jones, uh, what's the expectation expectation for fourth round picks like Jacob Harris and, and Bobby Brown and so on and so on. Uh, overall, do you feel satisfied, dissatisfied, uh, pleased with the job that the Rams have done drafting uh, over the last three years prior to this year, you know, knowing that we won't really know what comes of this class? Sure. It's a good question. Maybe something we don't have the answer to until a little while longer down the road, but it's a numbers game is what it boils down to. And the Rams are going to fill those high value positions, quarterback with Matthew Stafford, corner with Jalen Ramsey. They signed Leonard Floyd in free agency. They're going to plug those high value positions with those elite players that you have to find at the top of the draft um, and via trades or some other way of going about it because they don't have the draft capital. And then, you know, then you're spending the second round picks on running backs or the third round picks on inside linebacker, uh, lesser value, of course, but they're so important players, but really they have, they take a lot of dart throws at the board, you know, and that gives you better chances. And that's really, they develop these players a year before they need them. They get them in the system, in the system, and they're developing behind the scenes and they have a good feel for if that's going to work out or not. And that's really the same case with the Joseph note booms and the Brian Allen's on the offensive line. 
um, they had an inkling that things are going in a positive direction with those guys. Maybe it kept them from making a big investment in free agency or trade also. So um, whenever you take a lot of dart throws, it's eventually going to work out in your favor, but um, sometimes you just can't find that guy and you have a big roster hole. And um, that's something the less needs done a good job staving off for a while, but it only takes one bad year. And I think you saw that kind of come to fruition in 2019. So the Rams thought they had the pieces and they didn't along that offensive line. And it was ultimately the team's undoing. Yeah, I, I agree, you know, with what you're saying. I think also, you know, for my taste of the last, you know, going back to you know, those three years, uh, even though it's still early, like you were saying, it's still early to say, well, this was a, this guy's not a good NFL player, or, you know, this guy is a good NFL player. You know, it's, it's kind of that thing where it's like, well, right now at this moment, you could say Jordan Fuller is the best pick in the 2020 class, but maybe in two years or three years, we're talking about that way about uh, Cam Akers or Terrell Lewis or Van Jefferson, or even Terrell Burgess, you know, there's a lot of time for things to change and fluctuate over the course of their careers. But I do think that there is still a chance to evaluate the classes as they are. In some ways, we know players who really won't have much of a future, if any, with the Rams and, and other guys who maybe have solidified themselves in some way. But I do think that a lot of classes are judged by that first pick. So even if you don't have a first round pick, you know, you get to get, you're going to get judged by the first guy in a draft class. And, you know, I think with the Rams, the best way I could put it is it's kind of one of those, it could have been worse uh, or it could have been better, you know, scenarios. It's one of those situations where you feel like, well, it could have been worse than that, but it also could have been better. You're looking at, you know, starting with 2017, the first pick in that draft is Gerald Everett, where again, you're saying, you know, sometimes you pick a guy in the second round, he doesn't hardly play at all. Gerald, Gerald Everett played for the Rams quite a bit. He wasn't as good as maybe the perceived ceiling coming out of college, but he was okay. And he's still in the NFL. Joseph Nope boom in 2018, all the way down to the third round. We haven't really seen uh, uh, the career of Joseph Nope boom as you know, just being what he either could be, which is a franchise left tackle, or he could also be, you know, some franchises left guard, you know, we're going to really find out more this year, but he's getting his opportunities. You said a lot of these guys, are drafted before they're needed. Uh, and with no boom, that timeline has been extremely long. Uh, Taylor Rapp, again, a guy who has started a lot of games, but has also drawn a lot of criticism uh, for, you know, playing safety and uh, coverage skills. And then Cam Akers and Van Jefferson as the two second round picks in 2020. We're saying, hey, this season could be a breakout year for either. Uh, but unfortunately, Cam Akers not playing last season. And then 2-2 Atwell last year drew a lot of criticism right away. And then unfortunately, uh, Torres ACL never got a chance to really play offense. Um, now that we have some hindsight, maybe on the last five or so first picks for the Rams, what would be your grade maybe on those guys as a whole? Yeah, I mean, you haven't really gotten any pro bowlers or um, all-star seasons out of them, but you, you know, that's not really how the Rams acquire their stars and maybe that's okay. And they won the Super Bowl, and it's really hard to criticize them much past that. Right. Um, but Gerald Everett probably was a good pick in hindsight, but tight ends just take so long to develop and it's hard to be overly critical. Um, you're better off just signing a veteran if you need immediate production. 
Um, and I think Sean McVay was a tight ends coach in Washington. Maybe he bit off a little more than he could chew with Everett or his eyes got a little bit too big for him. But um, also the injuries have really taken their tolls. Taylor Rapp's missed time, significant time. K-Makers, obviously we know what he went through with his Achilles. Um, and then, yeah, Van Jefferson, probably he's just been behind the eight ball. You signed Odell Beckham last year and that took out a big chunk of his playing time. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> there's – there's kind of reasons to explain why each of these didn't work out, but um, when you're patient and you develop behind the scenes and we have the Rams have a great coaching staff and when they're working with these guys, you see it um, down the stretch really pay dividends. And hopefully we see that take shape with Joseph Nopum this year too. You're, you're not wrong. You know, a lot of these uh, players have, uh, you know, hit the injury bug, which can happen to anybody at the end of the day. It's, it's fair to, you know, talk about the, the fact that sometimes uh, these players in this position, especially over the course of five years do turn into uh, you maybe get one pro bowler out of that group. Maybe you get one like really good star player, you know, like a Darius Leonard with the Colts or, you know, a, a, I don't know, a Tyree kill, you know, some star out there that's just like, okay, you didn't have the first pick, but you did have something out there. And I know Rams fans uh, will long feel bad about choosing Tutu Atwell over Creed Humphrey. If it so happens that, uh, you know, Tutu Atwell never has a really uh, notable NFL career. Um, but then I still think at the time of the draft pick, I felt pretty good about the Rams picking Tutu Atwell because as we saw leading all through last season and into the Super Bowl when Odell Beckham tore his ACL uh, receiver depth cannot be taken for granted so I understand the Tutu Atwell pick I I think that he's a really underrated player going into training camp this year and I'm excited to see what the Rams do have at weapons and depth thanks to signing Allen Robinson. So let's yeah. talk about some of those uh, positions going into training camp briefly, and then uh, get into, you know, just where we are assessing the Rams going into uh, 2022 training camp, trying to repeat a Super Bowl champions, easy one to start with and to get out of, I think quarterback, Matthew Stafford, JB, how much do you think Matthew Stafford here? It's like, are we talking about, well, he just had one of the best seasons of his NFL career, probably, you know, heightened by the fact that after 12 years with the Detroit lions, he actually got a great head coach and a, a great supporting cast. You know, he had Calvin Johnson, but he never had anything like the full supporting cast that he had with the Rams last season. Uh, and then he put up 41 touchdowns also through a relatively high number of interceptions. Uh, would you expect Matthew Stafford after this really good season to maybe regress a little bit and, and not play as well, or to continue to build off of last season? I'm expecting a step forward, certainly. And just a second year familiarity and comfortableness with Sean McVay in the offense. You are adding some new elements into that, of course, right? A full season of cam Akers in the backfield uh, you're introducing a new star receiver, Allen Robinson, who knows if Eldo Beckham Jr. will be back. And then you're also mixing in the like play receivers who have roles to out. Well, maybe he's a deep threat, Jacob Harris. We don't know what he's going to be. Um, so there is, there is some transition, some turnover there that might factor into it, but overall um, if you get playoff Matthew Stafford, which is really the best football he played all season, um, you're going to be talking about him as, as being in that elite category. And he, that was the best football he's played over the course of his career. 
and it resulted in a Super Bowl. So if that's what you see from Matthew Stafford in 2022, he's going to be in the MVP conversation and it's going to be a big step forward. But maybe what I'd like to see from him for the most part is just consistency. I don't want to see any games like he had against Minnesota Vikings where he could have had five, six interceptions possibly. And um, whenever you're a 12, 13-year-old veteran in the NFL, you just don't expect to see games like that and really could be your undoing. If you have one of those in the playoffs, then I know they won the Super Bowl, but you really have to question um, the Rams moving forward because they're committed to Matthew Stafford for the next three to four years too. So, but I, I don't want to get too negative. I think I'm really excited to see him on the field and what he can do with this offense and these weapons, especially maybe a better running game to balance out that attack and let him be more calculated with the shots down the field. Um, I'm excited to see Matthew Stafford in 2022, certainly. Yeah, they have him uh, signed up for a few more years, as you said. So that was a big priority this year. And especially it was like uh, an inevitability once they traded for Matthew Stafford. And I think it's clear, you know, that I really felt that the Rams had made the best move of the year immediately when they traded for Stafford last year, that it made them Super Bowl favorites. And uh, it did play out that way. But now having won his first championship at any level, I mean, I, I, I can't recall if he won a high school champion. I think he might have won two, but like uh, I can't really recall for sure, but never uh, came close at Georgia really. Maybe once, uh, you know, they had a pretty good year, but didn't really come close uh, at Georgia. And then at uh, Detroit, obviously never got to a conference championship game uh, over 12 years. So now Stafford for the first time in the position of entering as the defending champion. And uh, yeah, he knows that if he wins the Super Bowl this year, they can't say anything negative about him ever again. You know, it's sort of like John Elway and all of the years with the Broncos, 0-3 in the Super Bowl, um, feeling like getting this reputation that he can't get it done. And now John Elway, for any all the criticism and all the people that hate him, they, they can't take away the fact that he, was, he went from no Super Bowls to Super Bowls, Hall of Fame. It's It can't take that away at that point. Um, and Stafford, if he wins the Super Bowl this year, certainly won't retire. So um, it would be interesting to see if that happens. Depth, John Wolford, Bryce Perkins. Um, let's hope that it never comes to that. Moving over to wide receiver, you've got, of course, reigning offensive player of the year, Cooper Cup, joined now by Allen Robinson II instead of Robert Woods, who tore his ACL and was traded to the Tennessee Titans. And then second-year player, we've already mentioned him, Van Jefferson, after he had 800 yards last season. Um, but are we going to see that big breakout game for Van Jefferson, that big, like, step forward where it's, it's you know, because he can make a few deep plays, go, wow, nice, great, exciting. Uh, but can he be that number two target, you know, which is something I think he struggled with last year and why the Rams did have to bring in Odell Beckham Jr. Then you've got Tutu Atwell, Ben Scourneck, Brandon Powell, the great returner, Warren Jackson, JJ Koski, Landon Akers, and undrafted free agent Lance McCutcheon. Obviously, JB, the Rams have arguably the best wide receiver duo in the NFL. Allen Robinson, has missed parts of seasons several times throughout his career. How concerned, worried, comfortable are you with the depth here? Yeah. And I don't live in Los Angeles, but you know, I have the sickness. I talked to people this summer and a lot of just casual fans didn't realize the Rams even picked up Allen Robinson this summer um, and during free agency. But as we're heading into fantasy football season, that's swinging back around. 
Uh, it seems like a lot of people are holding him in breakout candidate regard. So um, I think p- people are finally realizing how great of a signing that was for the Rams this offseason. And maybe the biggest impact of that is he's just a different flavor than what Robert Woods brought to the table. And when Cooper Cup and Robert Woods and the Rams overall passing game would struggle in previous years, it, it's just because they're too similar in some ways. And if, against certain coverages, you needed something different. And they just didn't have that flexibility or that versatility. But Allen Robinson, he's big and strong. He can win the contested catches. He can go deep. He can beat you on the short game too. So, and we know how important it is for Rams receivers to be involved in the blocking and the ground attack. So definitely think that's a huge signing. He's going to do big things this year. And um, Cooper Cup might even be a better football player than he was a year ago, but the production might not be there just because you expect improvement from the running game. And you expect Robinson to be a productive player as well. So we'll see how that offsets. Really, I don't know what to expect from Van Jefferson. I think I'm, I really see a big step forward in Tutu Atwell. And it's funny seeing what we went through with Atwell a year ago, as you talked about after the Rams drafted him, a very criticized draft pick. But the, the New York Giants are kind of going through the same thing with Wandale Robinson from Kentucky. Very similar pick. They drafted him uh, in the second round too, similar to Atwell. But he's a gadget player kind of in that, Kentucky offense, maybe limited as a professional just because he's undersized like Atwell. But really, you have Leon Cohen, who's coming from Kentucky. He knew he understood how to use Robinson in the college game, and maybe he can help Atwell take steps forward in his second season as a professional. So really looking forward to that. I think when you have Matthew Stafford's rocket arm, uh, the sky's the limit for Tutu Atwell, and maybe he sucks up some of Ann Jefferson's playing time this year. Yeah, I I think that you're right. I, I do like the prospects of Tutu Atwell. And this is what I've tried to tell Rams fans from the, the moment that Tutu Atwell was drafted. And I don't really get the point of being angry with, you know, sort of this pick because even though people will say they're not really rooting against Tutu Atwell, that's that's essentially, I think, somewhere in the psychology, you know, because you need to have your your dislike of the pick confirmed and your, your anger justified by Atwell performing poorly. But the thing is, if, at, if Tutu Atwell is anywhere near as good as the Rams must have thought he was to draft him to that point, you see these great highlights at Louisville, and you really think about the fact that he – was fairly new to the position. He was a quarterback in high school, so he wasn't even really aware yet at what he was even doing when he was at Louisville and he was putting up all these yards and the exciting plays. So why root against Tutu Atwell when if he does pan out, he'll be one of your most favorite players. I mean, he's this guy who's going to be so exciting, put up highlights, be so much smaller than everybody else on the field, which people love size differences for some reason in sports. So I think that if Tutu Atwell pans out and now he's got, you know, this opportunity to work with Matthew Stafford and, and he's working with one of the absolute best quarterbacks in the NFL accurate type of guy that's going to get the ball uh, to a guy like Tutu Atwell as, as almost like a safety valve. If Cooper cup and Allen Robinson are, are covered, you know, just dip, pitch it to Atwell and see what happens. I think that's where you could see Atwell performing this season. And uh, yeah, if he's uh, anywhere near as good as the Rams want him to be, or think he can be, he's going to be a fan favorite. So I would just get ahead of that train. Now start rooting for him because why the hell not? He would be one of the biggest stars in the NFL going over to uh, running back. You know, you've got cam Akers going into, as we talked about before, missing almost all of last season with the Achilles. When he came back, there wasn't really much to speak of positively, maybe with the offensive line play as well, but 
overall, they're just, you couldn't really look at acres from last year and be excited based just solely on what he did last year. But if you go back to the end of 2020, his rookie year, plenty of reason for excitement and thought, think, you know, that, that line of thought that similar to having Todd Gurley, uh, Sean McVay would like to utilize a guy like Tim Cam Akers way more than he has used the running back position in the last two or three years. So we'll see what happens with Cam Akers. I, I have never been too high on Daryl Henderson. Uh, so if anything were to happen, Akers or if Akers is not the same player he was prior to the injury, then you know you've got Daryl Henderson going back into once again, maybe stepping back into that starting role, which every time it's happened, just seems like it's kind of had some exciting moments and then slowly, you know, sort of uh, puttered out of existence. And that's the end of like that run. And now McVay is going to another guy. So that other guy, you've got Kyron Williams, the fifth round pick out of Notre Dame, second year player, Jake Funk, uh, and third year undraft former undrafted agent, Xavier Jones, as well as Raymond Calias is back again and 2022 undrafted free agent, AJ Rose, uh, JB. Uh, do you think that anyone here other than Cam Akers could be a viable starter for this season? I know that I, you know, maybe my opinion of, of Daryl Henderson is, you know, that there's just sort of a, a ceiling there, even though he's capable, uh, but more, more than welcome to have a different opinion there on, on Henderson. Cause I know a lot of people do. Yeah. I mean, Think about what the Rams would have done if they didn't have Daryl Henderson in the Super Bowl. He had three catches for, what, 40, 50 yards. So um, whenever you're receiving games struggling, you don't have OBJ. You're down to Ben Skoranek and Cooper Cup and Kendall Blanton and Bryson Hopkins. Like, Daryl Henderson was a saving grace for that team. And, you know, hopefully we don't see Daryl Henderson starting because I don't think that's his best role. And I don't think that's the best way to leverage his abilities. Really, he, from the very beginning, he was supposed to be the change of pace back to Todd Gurley. We know how that worked out and how Gurley's career ended. But um, then he keeps getting thrust into these workhorse roles that he gets banged up and then he isn't able to uh, perform at a level that we would expect for him. Um, but whenever he's healthy, he really does a good job of creating yards after contact and being involved in the passing game. So the less you, the least, the, like the less you see of Daryl Henderson, probably the better because that's when he's going to be at his most effective which is a silly thing to say, but um, he's supposed to be a complimentary piece. And in terms of the running backs behind those, I'm not the biggest fan of Kyron Williams, the fifth rounder from Notre Dame. He's just a limited athlete. And maybe if anything, you see him a year from now, he's obviously going to get a late start to training camp because that broken foot, but he might be the Daryl Henderson replacement long-term. But if you're going to put your money on someone, I'd rather bet against a good athlete. And that's Jake Funk. Think that, um, he was drafted in the seventh round a year ago, primarily a special teams player. He was also dealing with his fair share of injuries last season, but just something always tells me bet on the athlete, Jake Funk. He's a fast explosive player. Um, and reports are saying he's built a little bit more thicker this year, maybe ready to take the pounding. So, um, behind acres and Henderson, I think I'm putting my money on Jake Funk. We'll see how uh, all these guys are feeling through training camp. That'll also be a ongoing daily storyline moving to the tight ends. I just wrote about Tyler Higby this week as the Rams, as I get into the Rams top 10 most important players of the 2022 season. This is just based on my opinion. And then I turn it back onto the fans and say, well, where am I getting it wrong? And I've noticed that, you know, I put Tyler Higby at number nine based largely on the fact that, 
Nobody other than Rob Havenstein has played this many snaps for Sean McVay. Sean McVay has shown a lot of confidence in Tyler Higby. Mentioned those tight ends that he's drafted before, including Gerald Everett. None of whom could overcome Tyler Higby as the tight end one. And uh, Stafford threw a bunch of passes to him last year. I think he had a career high targets uh, in the same number of games as his previous career high, which was 2019 when he got made all those, you know, had all those big fantasy games at the end of the year. But Tyler Higby. Maybe he is a fringe number 12-ish tight end in the NFL. I think that we kind of forget that George Kittle and Travis Kelsey uh, and, and maybe Kyle Pitts in the future are kind of these unknown freak athlete like tight ends that don't really exist you know that's that's not a thing that all teams can go have maybe only three teams will ever have that um so a guy like Tyler Higby is not that far away from some of these guys who are extraordinarily great and then uh then the, the, these these other guys who are like you know I mean Mike Gesicki is on the franchise tag right now and Tyler Higby is a much better blocker than Mike Gesicki. If you go head to head, we might even see that Higby is as comparable of a receiver. You know, it's not that big of a difference. So I think that that is largely where it seems like the Rams have a lot of confidence in Higby, but they have not yet shown confidence in Kendall Blanton or Bryson Hopkins. Uh, and Ben Blanton, you know, has, has made his way onto the roster here. He's doing a fine job. It's very commendable that he's a part of the team. A lot of undrafted free agents never get to that point. But they weren't called upon until an injury to Higby in the NFC Championship. And then in the Super Bowl, they did play quite well. And so there is reason for optimism with those two. Uh, and then the Rams also have Jacob Harris and Kyle Markway, Jared Pinkney, Jamal Pettigrew, and Roger Carter. Maybe one of them could be the next Kendall Blanton. But for now, I see one well-established starter veteran who isn't going anywhere as long as he's healthy. and then. A lot of unknowns who don't have very many career snaps over the first few years here. So, uh, JB, how much would you say uh, I'm I'm on the money here with Tyler Higby's value and the depth behind him? You are spot on, I think. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> really enjoyed your top 20 series that you've been doing over the Rams roster. And I think you made an astute point about Tyler Higby that you know, he came in the same year as Jared Goff, and he's already one of the older starters at the tight end position. Um, just kind of funny to think about. Doesn't really seem like it's been that long, but here we are. And the Rams are involved him in the screen game quite a bit, um, really off that play action, or he thinks like he's blocking, and then he'll catch a screen pass, and that's really effective in the red zone, it seems. Yeah, hopefully he's healthy, and he stays with the Rams for a long time. I know maybe we're getting to the part of his contract where next season, and I know we haven't even played 2022 yet, but these are the kind of things we need to think about moving forward. Um, you can move on from him pretty easily. And tight ends are cheap. Instead of trying to draft one and, and bow them up in-house, I think you just got to find a veteran and plug them in. And honestly, I, I understand it's fun to look at young drafted players like Bryson Hopkins, who's a fourth rounder, and say, you know, hey, I want him to be the tight end of the future for the Rams. But uh, really at the tight end position, you're better off making a, a cheap signing of a veteran and hoping for better production than what you paid for. And you know, some of these teams like the Cardinals, they have a million tight ends, a million quality tight ends. You might just find a guy on the open market and he's finding himself unemployed and you can pick him up on the cheap. So if yeah. if you don't see the development until you can Blanton or Bryson Hopkins take the next step, I wouldn't mind seeing a veteran out of this group. 
Yeah, that's uh great points here. And the, the, the Rams will, you know, have a, a bunch of options going into training camp. There's, there's, um, eight tight ends going into training camp, uh, and the Rams will be able to find three, uh, guys to do it for them this year. And, and certainly Tyler Higby is the one, one of them. <laughs> so, uh, moving on to the offensive line, we mentioned before Joseph Nopum, his first year is the starting left tackle going into the season. Uh, so it's, it's a place that he's familiar with comfortable with, but also it's, it's a, it's like a new chapter in his career and we'll see how he responds to that. David Edwards, another year at left guard, Brian Allen, his second year in a row as the starting center and Rob Havenstein mentioned him before uh, going into year eight in the NFL with the Rams there at right tackle. So things are pretty comfortable and situated everywhere except for right guard and a competition at right guard between rookie Logan Bruss, Bobby Evans, Tremaine Ankrum, uh, and so on. But overall, it seems the Rams have a good amount of stability and comfort with their starting four and uh, probably in the same way that Sean McVay showed a lot of confidence in Brian Allen to open training camp last year. Uh, he will show a lot of confidence in somebody here at the start of training camp. And if anything goes wrong, uh, then we'll talk about it then, but overall uh, JB, where are you at with your comfort level on protecting Matthew Stafford, opening up lanes for cam makers from this offensive line this season? Yeah, I'm not expecting too big of a drop-off. It seems like a total Rams move to build up Logan Bruss, the third-round pick, and then start someone like Tremaine Ankrum, who's been in the building since 2020, um, and give him the starting job. But just the Rams seem to always default to the veteran whenever they're given their preferences. But really, everyone else is kind of the same. Joseph Nobum's played for Andrew Whitworth in limited action and really haven't noticed much of a drop-off. He's been really great in the downfield screen game. Um He's a very athletic player, so maybe you see some even improvements in that area. But everything else is remaining the same, and that's a beautiful thing to have consistency on the offensive line. And then you have depth pieces like Alaric Jackson, who a great run blocker at the reserve tackle spot. He's kind of the swing tackle. We've seen him play left and right. And then you have guys like Coleman Shelton, who played in limited snaps last year, but when he was on the field, seems like he really held his own. So I uh, think the Rams not only have confident – and the players that they're going to start but if people go down it sounds like you have some backup options that at least in the short term can be viable yes with stafford acres cup robinson and the supporting cast higby you would think that the rams have an opportunity here coming off of the super bowl win to uh, be a top three scoring offense and uh yeah i think that's a perfectly reasonable projection for the ceiling for the Rams. Uh, what would you say maybe is like, if, even if Matthew Stafford stays healthy, let's say that, you know, Stafford stays healthy. Could you see any reasons for this offense struggling this season? Yeah. I mean, I really do have concerns about the running back position just because Cam Akers, he went through a very significant injury. We don't, he flashed. I think his best game was the first one against the Cardinals. Maybe it was wear and tear. Or maybe it was just a coincidence. The run, the uh, offensive line wasn't creating as much running room, but he struggled there over the course of the playoffs. And um, you wonder if he's truly 100% back. Daryl Henderson seems like he's always banged up. And then behind that, you know, it's, a, it's fair to have major question marks. Um, maybe the Rams add someone similar to Sony Michelle a year ago. Really don't know. But even if the holes are there, if the running back room even suffers, if even one of them goes down, um, it's hard to see that production come through. And 
that just puts more pressure on Matthew Stafford. Maybe he feels like he needs to take more shots down the field, leads to more turnovers. Really, you want to put Matthew Stafford in a position to be calculated, take um, measured shots down the field whenever they're available. And if you put too much weight on his shoulders, that might not happen. So that's my concern. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, and with all those uh, players, maybe with depth, you know, there, there, there were times when maybe Xavier Jones or, or you know, we don't know with Kyron Williams and we uh, would like to see if Jake Funk could stay healthy. And then, you know, like you said, Daryl Henderson is at least a compliment to one of those players. There's a lot of options here. Maybe somebody can rise up out of that, but I think that's uh, why the Rams spent day two picks on draft on running backs uh, in Henderson and acres. And, you know, it could be a threat to draft a running back on day two next year. Uh, just looking at some of the Rams spending here for the season, I noticed that they, they're only 24th in offensive spending. So even having a championship offense and Matthew Stafford, which by the way, is a big part of the savings of Stafford's cap. It is only $15 million this year, or maybe a little bit less than that. Cause that, that should also account for, uh, Wolford and Perkins, but, Overall, that's that's nothing compared to some other teams. And that'll, of course, rise up by 2024 when uh, Stafford's cap hit is is almost 50 million dollars. Uh, but the Rams also don't spend a lot of money at running back or offensive line. And they're spending most of their money on wide receivers or tight end. But really, uh, the Rams are not exorbitant spenders anywhere on offense this season uh, that will change by 2024, as I said, because uh, the Rams are set to be top three in spending for quarterback and wide receiver because of the, the extensions that they paid to Stafford and Cup this year. Uh, and speaking of extensions you know, or raises or more payments given out this year, let's talk about the Rams defense and their defensive line. Uh, Aaron Donald will also make a lot of money in the near future after signing a three-year, $90, $85 million contract. Uh, and so his money uh, and cap hits go up, but bonus, he's, uh, you know, maybe the best player of his generation. So Aaron Donald, did you see anything different from Aaron Donald last season? Uh, and at what point do you think fans or uh, opposing offensive linemen start to see any sort of decline from Donald? Is that something that was possibly happening last year? If there was, if he was declining, I sure as heck didn't see it, but um, <laughs> maybe if there's, if there's any reason to be concerned about Aaron Donald, it's that you don't have, Von Miller opposite Leonard Floyd, maybe Justin Hollins, Terrell Lewis, Chris Garrett can't generate that pressure on the other side of Floyd and they can the offensive lines can pay more attention to Donald. Uh, that's a concern. I don't know how much more attention you can give other than putting two, three guys on, on every single play, but, and even if you do, he's, he's still going to get his wins. Um, yeah, he's a force of nature and he has shown no signs of slowing down. Hopefully he's on this Rams roster for the next three years. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I don't know really where I had read a comment or heard someone say something about like, you could tell Aaron Donald uh, wasn't quite as dominant as he was the year before, maybe still the most dominant defensive player, but maybe there was just something that made him less dominant. I didn't see it either really. And at the end of the day, what does it really matter if Aaron Donald still continues to be 
the guy that was dominating the Super Bowl was dominating. The, I mean, he's still the guy out there bothering the hell out of quarterbacks every week. Um, but as you say, without Von Miller and try uh, trying to figure out that whole situation, you know, because he can't replace Von Miller with Bobby Wagner. In some ways you can, but in those pass rushing ways, you really uh, can't unless they plan to completely change Bobby Wagner's entire career. So not that Wagner do a solid favor and make sure Aaron Donald sees that comment by week one. So whenever <laughs> they're taking on Josh Allen, the Buffalo bills, so absolutely get real fired up. Oh man. And who won't be that game is uh, such a good week one opening night game. So that's very exciting uh, to start thinking about. And, with uh, Greg Gaines, Asian Rob, Ashawn Robinson, you know, a very solid one, two, three. Uh, and then we talked about the depth already. So we'll leave that alone, except uh, JB, I'll just say a lot of people could point to Aaron Donald on the defensive line and say that's, you know, the strength of the Rams defense. Do you believe that it is a their best unit? on the, the defense, but B also, do you think it's the, the most valuable unit or do you think that the play will in Raheem, Raheem Morris's defense, there will have to be more value coming from another area. It's important. I'd say along with the secondary, it's probably the strongest unit. I don't know. I could go back and forth on a daily basis and say which one was better than the other, but um, the defensive line is going to be good for the Rams. It's not necessarily going to generate a lot of sacks just because I mean, Aaron Donald's an exception to the rule, but really your sacks come from your edge rushers, the the Leonard Floyds and the Terrell Lewis's and Justin Hollins of the world. But um, if you're going to measure their performance by sacks, that's probably not how you're going to um, find a lot of success with these guys. But, man, Greg Gaines really flashed athleticism last year, uh, rushing the passer. We know he's such a force against the run game, and he can just move that pocket backwards and collapse it. And Ashawn Robinson – I'm not sure any player on the Rams other than maybe Matthew Stafford had a better playoff run um, and just shows just how out of sorts the Matthew Stafford and Matt Patricia Lions were in Detroit because if they couldn't find a role for that guy um, and he's having so much success with the Rams, it just shows you that um, how much out of alignment with just well-run teams that the Detroit Lions were and maybe props up. Matthew Stafford having a good 2021 season too. So um, thank God, thank goodness they're both on the Rams and happy to have them. And yeah, that defensive line is going to be a force, certainly. Yeah, you know, and as you say, that pass rushing prowess coming from Aaron Donald, you know, people talk about the Aaron Donald effect, which I'm sure is very real. It can't not be when, you know, the numbers game work out in that favor. You're going to get more free rushes of the quarterback if you're double and triple teaming. Aaron Donald, but ultimately too, it's kind of funny because you still have, if you, you can still have a great player, you know, it's like you have Cam Hayward and TJ Watt with the Steelers. You had Aaron Donald last year after the Rams acquired Von Miller. And there was a clear difference before and after the acquisition of Von Miller, even though, as I did write uh, earlier this month about pre and after Von Miller, at the end of the day, the the total numbers and the sack production and even the play of the other guys around him uh, didn't change that much. But then when you got into the playoffs and you saw Von Miller and Aaron Donald together in the playoffs and in the, in the Super Bowl, especially, you know, even if it was against a weak Bengals offensive line, you could see that 
impact of having two big guys like there at, at rushing the passer, just like, as I said, Hayward and Watt with the Steelers, but just having that one guy doesn't necessarily change the formula. You still have to be a talented player. So, you know, it has to come down to whether or not Terrell Lewis can stay healthy and, and is, is a very talented player. If Chris Garrett is a talented player, uh, if, you know, um, Daniel Hardy, the seventh round pick this year, it happens to be a steal in the draft. You know, someone has to step up and do it. Uh, and we didn't see that from Hollins or Lewis or anybody else last year until Miller was acquired. You look at the Chiefs, Chris Jones, maybe the second best pass rushing defensive tackle in the NFL. Chiefs got rid of all their pass rushers, tried a couple other guys. There, nobody else is a good pass rusher for Kansas City. So just having a great pass rusher on the interior who draws double and triple teams, you still have to have talented players who can take advantage of that. So it doesn't seem as though the Rams really replaced Von Miller, as we said earlier. I guess we're kind of moving on to the edge players here. Um, and with all that being said, you know, Leonard Floyd as a top 10 pick for the Bears, a lot of people expect these. 12 sack seasons and all that kind of stuff. And it's never really been Leonard Floyd's strength. He's more of a run defender. He's more of a, you know, takes advantage of those opportunities when he can get a sack. Uh, there was that first year with the Rams. He had a lot of sacks against Russell Wilson, didn't have a ton of sacks in the other games. Um, and as we all knew, Russell Wilson is one of the most sacked quarterbacks in the NFL already last season much more consistent, better spread around, um, and more important than anything else, Leonard Floyd is L.A.'s best hope as an edge rusher. Where are you at right now on the value of Leonard Floyd? Yeah, I mean, he's one of the most important players on the defense, only because perhaps that when you're talking about the edge defender, you have to have an elite athlete, and that's why these guys are drafted in the top 10 every year. And that's why Trayvon Walker is the number one overall pick, despite him not having the most production in college. So, um, and also I think Leonard Floyd, as you mentioned, he had success against Russell Wilson. But when you have these scrambling NFC West quarterbacks, Kyler Murray, uh, Floyd's done well against him. But also we're going to see Trey Lance, who is a lot more athletic. I think it's fair to say than Jimmy Garoppolo has been. So um, we don't know what that 49ers offense is going to look like. We know they attack the edges and they make you work uh, horizontally just as much as vertically. And Floyd is going to be an important part of uh, slowing them down, certainly. So, but I think whenever you bring up Von Miller, and he was a great player for the Rams last year, I'm not going to knock him for that. And uh, they don't win the Super Bowl without him, probably. But now that we've had the chance to digest all the statistics and the, the you know, these analytical stats, um, Von Miller faced a very low percentage of double teams, especially compared to Aaron Donald. So, if you're the Buffalo Bills and you've made a big investment to him, Hopefully you've taken that account in your calculation. So, um, yes, he he really was a good player for the Rams, but he had a lot of opportunities for that success. But when you have a one-on-one, -on -one, you have to take advantage of it, and he did, and that's to his credit. But um, now it's, it's uh, Terrell Lewis, it's Chris Garrett, it's Justin Hollins who's going to have those one-on-one -on -one opportunities, and it remains to be seen if they can you know execute and take advantage of those opportunities. What do you think that says, though, JB? What do you think that says about Von Miller? Because – there was a time when Von Miller was the number one defensive player in the NFL, uh, you know, him and Aaron Donald basically side by side. He had willed the Broncos to a Super Bowl championship. He had been this highly touted draft pick out of Texas A&M. You know, I just 
have been hearing a lot of comparisons to from Will for Will Anderson, Alabama's edge rusher, who could be the number one pick in the draft next year. Probably won't be because of a quarterback, but should be the first not quarterback drafted. And people saying this guy could be like the next Von Miller. And that's, you know, high praise for Von Miller, who right now is still considered a premier player by the Buffalo Bills and uh, other teams certainly think highly of Von Miller. Why wouldn't defenses, you know, if they were getting so consistently, maybe even beaten on those one-on-ones, do you think it's just the presence of Aaron Donald uh, being the reason that that he kind of sucks blockers away from Von Miller and that gave, you know, the Aaron Donald effect to Von Miller? Or do you think that people start to suspect that Von Miller just isn't the player that he used to be? Yeah, I think he might not be the, he might not be the guy anymore. He can't be the single greatest threat and disrupt the entire offense the way that Aaron Donald still does. And maybe that's why people in Denver before the Broncos moved on from him, you know, they, they thought he was towards the end of his career. Then he comes to the Rams and have a lot of success just because instead of being the single focus of the offensive line, now he has the opportunity and a lot of room to work. So, and really you have to give credit to Greg Gaines, Ashawn Robinson, Leonard Floyd, that um, if you're going to double Von Miller and maybe like you, there's just not enough resources to go around for all these guys. So they all, hold their own and they all take advantage of their opportunities when they get them. So um, between those four or five guys, um, yeah, it's an offensive line's worst nightmare. And even when they go against a unit like the Cincinnati Bengals, who they weren't performing up to expectations, and they go against one of the greatest defensive lines in recent memory. Um, yeah, it, it was it didn't go so well for them. What they give up? Six, eight sacks, something like that. So uh, the, that was a big reason why the Rams were able to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. By the way, I don't know why I just random thought like not very many players get traded in their thirties, you know, I mean, Matthew Stafford had it, Von Miller had it and they both commanded pretty good returns. Um, And I just, it just occurs to me, like not a lot of players are still even considered valuable to be even be traded when they have money owed to them uh, while they're still in their thirties. And uh, another credit to Von Miller, you know, in the rare traded over 30 club, I guess, um, because case in point, let's move to the inside linebacker, uh, Bobby Wagner, not traded by the Seahawks because nobody would take on his $18 million salary that he was owed this year, but released goes to the LA Rams in division rival his hometown team. Um, and you know, sort of takes some of the money that would have gone to Von Miller maybe. And, changes a position that Sean McVay hadn't really prioritized before at inside linebacker. You know, the Rams were comfortable with Kenny Young and Traven Howard and uh, Troy Reader last year. And now all of a sudden, you know, you've got Ernest Jones maybe on the way, on the way up. Uh, Bobby Wagner, a big name player to add to the inside there at inside linebacker. Do you sense a change in philosophy or was this just a, just an opportunity to get another experienced player onto the defense. Yeah, and that's a great point you make about players being traded in their 30s. Fortunately for the Rams, they don't end up with Bobby Wagner if salary cap aside, Seattle's able to trade him because they're not going to send their division rival, right? So it was mm-hmm. it was a good thing for the Rams that he ended up on the, the free agency market. And in regards to this, this newly rebuilt inside linebacking core, I've got to see it to believe it. I just don't understand or quite get uh, why it's such a great benefit to have two good middle linebackers. Really, the NFL is moving towards you only having one of those guys on the field at a time. And I'd honestly rather see maybe Taylor Rapp in a hybrid linebacker safety role 
um, instead of two linebackers? Are you going to take a nickel corner off the field? Is that David Long, Troy Hill, Jacoby Durant, maybe, who's a, a fourth-round pick for the Rams this year? Um, it's a numbers game. Yes, you can maybe put two of them on the field and run situations, but in those passing situations, uh, how does that? How does having two inside linebackers work for the Rams? And Bobby Wagner has he's given up a lot of completions and coverage in recent years too. But maybe that's more of a reflection of Seattle's maybe call prehistoric uh, zone defensive coverages <laughs> than maybe a decline in talent. Who knows? But we're gonna find out. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch because I, I, yeah, I'm not sure I fully get the plan there either. But there have been plans that Sean McVay and Les Snead have made in the past that uh, weren't fully understood. Certainly, uh, all the decisions to trade first round picks were criticized at any moment that they could be. And I think that's the reason a lot of people were rooting against the Rams in some way last year, just because there was this sense that. You're not allowed to do it this way. You thought you could just trade for a Super Bowl. You know, you thought that uh, that this was just we just don't think this is the way things are done. We love first round picks. Screw you for, uh, you know, thinking that they're so uh, tradable. And uh, then the Rams proved that it could work. So, you know, we'll see what the, the plan is here with Bobby Wagner. And no question that um, the Rams are getting a ton more of you know, I don't want to say anything like, I don't know, football, you know, it's just a totally different tone here with Bobby Wagner and the 10 years of experience that he brings. Uh, and he himself went to back-to-back Super Bowls, So he's going to try and uh, get the Rams to their back-to-back Super Bowl uh, this year. So there's something there with Bobby Wagner, but yeah, is he going to excel in, in coverage? Is he going to, where is his value going to really lie on the field? Um, at cornerback, another set of sort of questions built around, you know, a very big star player, Jalen Ramsey, of course, ranked as the top cornerback in the NFL. Uh, and that's probably justifiable. He's been every bit as talented as expected as, as pretty much, you know, I would say a better prospect at cornerback than uh, any of the guys who have been top five cornerbacks since him. Um, so probably the best cornerback prospect of at least, you know, the last six or so years, uh, is Jalen Ramsey. And then he comes into Jacksonville, does it right away, goes to the Rams, does it right away. Um, and I think that sometimes you can take apart a play and say, well, he sucked here or, uh, he messed up here or whatever. Um, but the, nobody's perfect, you know, and especially now with how much the game is designed to help wide receivers beat cornerbacks to make big plays and highlights and all that kind of stuff. It, it becomes very difficult more and more every year to do the job. And, and comparatively speaking, you know, Jalen Ramsey is a first team all pro cornerback. So that's what the Rams have with Jalen Ramsey. But a lot of teams bring two, three, sometimes four really good wide receiver tight end options to their offense. And that's where the Rams have a lot more question marks. Troy Hill brought back in a trade. David Long Jr. going to try uh, to win a starting job for the fourth time. Uh, Robert Rochelle going into year two. And then, you know, you've got a few draft picks here with Jacoby Durant in the fourth round, Russ Yeast in the fifth round, can probably, uh, and Darren Kendrick in the sixth round, can probably set those guys aside for now uh, and just focus on Ramsey, Hill, Long, Rochelle, 
And uh, what do you think, JB, outside of Jalen Ramsey? Is this going to be an ex- a problem or is this going to be just fine? No, I, I'm really excited to see the secondary. And I think Jalen Ramsey probably has one of the hardest jobs in professional football. He's covering these explosive elite athletes at the wide receiver position. And he's really – the Rams ask a lot of him. And, yeah, we've seen the Super Bowl. I know people have been really critical of his Super Bowl performance, but he made just as many outstanding plays as he did get burned. And we know the, you know, the T. Higgins touchdown right after halftime. We could debate that all day, whether or not that should have been called back, right, because of the face mask. But other than maybe a left tackle that's asked to block on an island, these explosive edge rushers, um, the Rams really ask a lot of Jalen Ramsey. And so you're going to get as many wins as he has. It only takes a few losses for people to really start, you know, chipping away at him and – uh, he's been absolutely outstanding for the Rams. Uh, no corner has as hard of a job in the NFL as he does. But that also means that in order for him to take on those responsibilities and those difficult assignments, that the pieces around him also have to be able to hold their own. And I've been saying all offseason that, you know, the trade for Troy Hill, you give up a fifth rounder after you already got a compensatory draft pick for him when he left to sign with the Browns last year. Um, he's a cheap player for the Rams. The salary cap hit is uh, pretty minimal. But yeah, I think it's one and a half. Yeah. uh, And the Browns paid him all the money that he got from signing free agency pretty much. But at the bare minimum, he's a known commodity. He's not a bad player. He's not necessarily an elite corner either, but um, he's viable. And then in a perfect world, you don't even see him on the field because David Long Jr. takes a big step in his fourth year. Robert Rochelle develops in his second year. And Rochelle is more of an outside corner. David Long Jr. has that inside out versatility, but if both of those guys take a step forward, maybe you don't even need Hill. But if you have four corners in the NFL, um, that's a champagne problem to get those guys on the field, and uh, you're going to be really good shape. So I have confidence in all four of those guys, really. Yeah, the, that was a very good move to acquire, acquire Troy Hill, who had over a 1,000 snaps for the Rams a couple of years ago, more playing time than Darius Williams, uh, which you know proves that there was some value there in, in availability and when the Rams wanted to see Troy Hill on the field. And those draft picks, though, yeah, it's possible. Sometimes teams pick, keep four cornerbacks, five cornerbacks. The Rams drafted three cornerbacks. If Kobe Duran and Darian Kendrick – you know, sort of look really good in camp. And we can expect Kobe Durant to probably make this roster as a fourth round pick. That would be surprising if he didn't make the roster. Um, But overall, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if how the numbers work out for, uh, you know, David Long and uh, where he situates in this training camp uh, competition, I guess, you know, it's, it's his, like I said, his fourth opportunity here Uh, at safety. We've got, more interesting competition, more rookies, Jordan Fuller returning from injury situated at one safety spot. And then the other safety spot, could it be Taylor Rapp again? Could it be Nick Scott who, you know, was a more of a fan favorite and uh, played really well there down the stretch. Uh, It would be a surprise at this point, you know, his fourth year in the league, former seventh round pick. It wouldn't be surprising though, based on, you know, at times how he played last year and then Terrell Burgess, you know, third round pick in 2020 hasn't really shown us much in, in a couple of years, had an injury as a rookie. Um, but even when he, you know, was not injured, just didn't really have an opportunity to see him very much. And then last year, hardly saw him at all. And we saw safeties uh, getting injured left and right. And then 
Also got rookies Quentin Lake, a sixth round pick, Jiron McVeigh and Dan Esom, undrafted free agent signees. But yeah, who do you expect uh, to be starting here for the Rams? Could any surprising cuts come out of this position? I know you're we're really high in the secondary, but uh, yeah, what do you think about that other starting position? Yep, Jordan Fuller's probably the only name written down in ink pen, and maybe you pencil in Nick Scott next to him, but. Taylor Rapps played a lot of starting snaps for this team and, you know, he's not going to go down without a fight, but maybe one of the more forgotten storylines about the Rams Super Bowl run last year is that Jordan Fuller went down with injury and they signed uh, maybe a 50 year old Eric Weddle off the street and immediately put him in as a starting safety. So that doesn't, that doesn't reflect well on Terrell Burgess, who's coming into his third year. And yeah, as a rookie, he flashed potential, but suffered an injury. And that takes some time for the, for guys to bounce back some time. So maybe, maybe he just needs a full year recovery under his belt and he's ready to take a, a big step forward in year three, but, and we'll see that also wouldn't be a surprise if he doesn't make the team and you have these two safeties that they drafted Rusty East, kind of a safety slash nickel corner. And also you have Quentin Lake from UCLA who the Rams think fits into that Jordan Fuller mode, uh, that mold. So um, yeah, we'll see. Uh, definitely trail or trail Burgess could be, you know, a great asset to the team, or he could be the odd man out could go either way. And I'm not sure really anyone knows what's going to happen with that besides maybe Sean McVay and Raheem Morris. I know that uh, it's kind of hard to, you know, now we're not ruling anything out and we haven't seen a lot of all of these players. Uh, but what do you think that's possible that any safety, including Jordan Fuller, uh, that one day we could be calling them a star, you know, or do you think like, and you know, the Rams, they're just hoping to get to, dependable safeties that aren't making a ton of mistakes. Well, I think the Rams defensive scheme, this Vic Fangio system, uh, it's, it's kind of, you know, we talk about offense being quarterback friendly. This defense is kind of safety friendly and you keep everything in front of you and you're rewarded for having good instincts. And that's why maybe Jordan Fuller who slipped to the sixth round because of a limited athletic skill set, is able to shine in this role. And so you take, you draft these guys like Quentin Lake and, you hope that they can kind of do the same and just be good football players. You don't have to be an elite athlete. So uh, Nick Scott actually is a good athlete. And I think maybe he's a pretty raw football player, but as he gets more and more experience under his belt in this defense, uh, he's going to be a formidable player for the Rams and excited to see him moving forward. He's in a contract year. So um, hopefully he doesn't have a good career for someone else. <laughs> yeah. It'll be interesting to uh, see how that goes. Finally, a uh, special teams preview, especially because this year, uh, a slightly more interesting thing than most since, you know, for so many of the last uh, 10 years, almost Johnny Hecker was the punter and that won't be the case this year. The Rams brought in Riley Dixon, formerly of the giants. They signed Cameron Dicker out of Texas as an undrafted free agent. Any thoughts on the punter job? No, not really. <laughs> Other than maybe you'll see less fakes because you don't have Johnny Hecker there anymore. But um, Raleigh Dixon, he's probably the guy, and he's not going to lose the Rams any games, most likely. Uh, hopefully, I don't come to regret those words. But you know. <laughs> And uh, Matthew Orzech, the long snapper. Uh, I did catch a little bit of flack for not ranking Matt Gay in my top 20, but JB, my reasons for that were – just that Matt Gay, you know, he was just a signee in the middle of a year, two years ago. So how can you be more important than all your starters on offense and defense 
if we just found out that a team could get a guy as good as you in the middle of the season, that's not possible at any other position, really. Um, it, it seems so like, you know, we know that the position is so volatile that what are the odds that Matt Gay, who was cut by a team and left to be a free agent for quite a while, only a few years ago, and didn't have, I think, a perfect postseason. You know, what are the odds that Matt Gay, four or five games into the year, has drawn the ire of fans? That's where I, I get to. I do see the importance of him being good, you know, but as far as whether or not we can we can verify that that is going to happen at a position where it's like one year you're a pro bowler, the next you're the enemy of the fans. So where are you at with Matt Gay? Do you, I know that, uh, you know, it's good to have a, def- a dependable kicker who's made you feel good recently. Obviously the Rams winning the super bowl and him being, you know, of pro bowl quality is a good thing but I, it'll be interesting to see where that comes down in his contract talks, which are coming up soon. Yeah. It's been a long off season, but last time I saw Matt Gay, he was kicking the field goal to get the Rams in the NFC championship game against the team that drafted him in the fifth round and then cut him. So uh, just for that, I think he belongs in your top 20, not to give me any <laughs> flack, but uh, uh, I mean, I don't, yeah. Kickers have to be dependable. You really don't want to see the guys that struggle in those class situations. And teams make rash decisions whenever kickers miss the big tick kicks in the playoffs. We saw with the Vikings, the turmoil they went through year over year over year until they found a guy. Uh, maybe they still haven't. I'm not 100% sure. But, uh, yeah, Matt Gay, he was picked up off the trash heap. He had some weird field goals for the end of the year that whenever he kicked them, like they just they didn't go very far or they were kind of ducks. And you don't know what that's all about. Maybe he was dealing with some sort of injury. I think that was a, a question towards the end of the year last year. But, um it really you don't know and you don't put too much stock on these things and if something happens where the rams do have to move on from matt gay uh there's options on the market will they be just as good in the long term probably not but um the the rams proved by signing matt gay just as you said that um you can move on from him pretty easily and yeah i root for matt gay i i don't expect even for him to do poorly but I think I also just at the time, especially, and I still believe this now, it's still my top 20. Uh, although I'm, I'm making adjustments and, and happy to admit, maybe I'm wrong here and, and there. Um, I think with the case of any kicker, unless you're Justin Tucker, the only guy that I think is really super trustable at the position and really special. Uh, I just think, wouldn't you rather have Robert Rochelle be the guy in my top 20 instead of Matt Gay? Wouldn't it be better to think that the Rams found a quality starting cornerback opposite of Jalen Ramsey than a kicker, because then maybe you're saving enough points on defense to not need the kicker. You know, you're going to win by four points. So that's where I think I'm even more sure that uh, anything, you know, the, the better scenario for the Rams is, is somebody else, but I'm more than willing to admit I'm wrong. We're going to do two top 20 lists and I'll, I'll, that's why I have the polls there and the articles. So check those out. I got seven more players to go today. Posted Bobby Wagner tomorrow post number seven or when you hear this maybe it is today so that's it though for this episode of the turf show times podcast anything you want to say before we go jb as you said training camp is just a week and a half away yeah maybe some key transactions we might see in the next week and a half leading up to training camp uh we know sean mcveigh contemplated retirement or maybe move to the broadcast booth but 
every indication is that he and Les Snead are going to get contract extensions leading up to that that period of time. So uh, maybe that gives us a look into what Sean Bay's career with the Rams is going to be. We know Matthew Stafford signed that three to four year extension. Aaron Donald got three years. Maybe his window is just about the same. And with that said, we don't really talk about what Les Snead's future is with the team. He doesn't really seem to have a career in broadcasting, maybe, but is he building this team for the long haul or is there a three-year window truly that um, whatever happens after that point, it's the next guy's problem? We don't know. It really doesn't seem that there's a lot of information out there on that. Mm. So, But maybe another transaction that's worth pointing out is uh, we don't know what's going to happen with Odell Beckham Jr., but uh, a lot of teams should, should probably be interested in the services, whether they are or not. And I think the Rams would be a lot happier to have him rehabbing during in their training room over training camp and then the first part of the season. So um, maybe they can get that done over the next week and a half. Yeah, you're right. Uh, That's a great point. You know, something that I maybe haven't even put enough weight into, which is just the fact that wherever Odell Beckham goes, even if he's not available for practices, it's just that much more of an opportunity and time to be with the team, to be with the quarterback, to be with the wide receivers, to be with the coaches it's all that much more time to be prepared and hit the ground running whenever he does return from ACL surgery. It's really hard to know whether or not Odell Beckham Jr. will have a long career from this point forward, to be honest, you know, that's not a, uh, I don't think that's a invalid credit. It's not even a criticism. It's just what happens when players, you know, often often what happens when they get injured and around the age of 30, the NFL starts going, I don't know, I could save money with this guy or that guy or the other guy who are all on their rookie deals or very cheap. And so maybe I'll try that. Um, So that's where Odo Beckham Jr. It's another pivotal season for him to prove himself. He had that momentum going uh, to proving himself before the injury in the Super Bowl. And we'll see whether or not he can do that again this year. And I think that the Rams are as good a choice as any for Odell Beckham and probably the front runner. So we'll see what happens with that, but good point JB to keep an eye out on those transactions and keep an eye out for more episodes of the Turf Showtimes podcast. We'll be coming out weekly here as the season is going. So subscribe to Turf Show Times to get those in your podcast box. I don't know if that's a real thing, but I'm Kenneth Arthur and this is Turf Show Times, the podcast.